2: Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he, live from Sturgis, South Dakota, at the 82nd Annual Motorcycle Rally. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. You know, this is, I I can't remember, this is my seventh, possibly eighth. I think I came on the 75th anniversary. So the first year, I think, was 2015. But this is my, I think, seventh or eighth year. And it's really interesting because I get a lot of people that ask me, black what what's the deal with sturgis i mean how does this fit into your whole ministry your whole mission and all that you know i'm a i'm a pasty white dude i have no uh, ink on my skin i have the original skin it looks the same a little more worn uh, as god gave me when i came out of the womb so i have no ink uh, i uh, i don't think i've ever ridden a motorcycle and yet now this is my 7th or 8th year here in sturgis and and for 30 years i want you to think about this i have helped people take their lives to a whole new level through my leadership training that you can read about at likeitmatters.net through my counseling my my life caddy work mentoring and, and my work in the field of human potentiality and a lot of people ask me how does going to sturgis yearly how does hanging out with bikers for five days fit into the mission of like it matters and or Mr. Black's personal mission. And that's an interesting question. And today I kind of want to unpack that. But I want to topic today's show, belonging. Because that's really what Sturgis is about. And that's really what Mr. Black is about. And so I want to tell you a little bit of the history of Sturgis. Got this from Fox News. Uh, Who wrote this? Carrie Byrne, I think it is, Uh, Fox News. And it's the history of uh, Sturgis. Uh, And it's fascinating because this is the 82nd annual, 82nd annual, phenomenal. And by the way, we must credit local Indian motorcycle dealer, J.C. Pappy, what he goes by Pappy Hoyle, for fathering what's now the world's premier celebration of motorcycles and an American way of life. Matter of fact, every year, ready for this, over 500,000 motorcycle enthusiasts from across the world come to Sturgis and Pappy was the man who put the brotherhood in motorcycles. At least that's what Cole Meyer, a Sturgis motorcycle historian, uh, said. He, he said, Pappy is the reason so many people come here today. And a lot of people don't know this. I had never been to Sturgis of this area before I came for my first motorcycle rally. And Sturgis is located on the edge of the Black Hills of South Dakota, hundreds of miles from the nearest major city, smack dab in the middle of the North American continent. And Hoyle's marketing ingenuity, enthusiasm for motorcycle racing, and unbeknownst to many, his paternal fondness for America's World War II veterans struggling with the mental wounds of combat made Sturgis synonymous with motorcycles. And that's what really fascinated me. I always ask the why. You know, as a counselor, I always meta things backwards. Why? What causes someone to do this? And that's what I found interesting about this show. We're we're going to, this topic, and I'm going to finish this article. And then the rest of the show, I'm really going to kind of pick up on what Pappy was doing. And what Pappy was doing was making people who didn't belong, belong. Making people who felt like they were outcasts, make them matter. Making people who had no money, who were mentally struggling, who emotionally were all over the place, who had just lived through World War II to see the atrocities of war. And then to go back broke to a country that was rebuilding, if you will, or at least building. And this is how Sturgis came to be. So Hoyle started the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in 1938, largely as a racing event and as a way to promote his local dealership. See, and i tell you, he watched it accelerate far beyond his dreams. And there's a quote here, I love this, and this is from, uh, I don't remember, who, oh, Vinnie Terranova, who knew Hoyle and his wife, Pearl. He, she said, uh, he was like a P.T. Barnum type character. He always had a trick up his sleeve. He loved motorcycles, loved racing, and again, loved motorcycles, said Terranova Pappy Hoyle. He and Pearl always had a pot of beans and franks on the grill. Nobody ever left hungry. The Hoyles ran the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally for nearly 50 years before turning it over to the city of Sturgis in the 1980s. It was a monumental feat for the couple. To this day, it's still an impressive achievement. And you ready for this? Sturgis is 7000 people strong that's the city of Sturgis and the impact isn't just on the city it's across the whole state Sturgis director of rally and events Tammy even portal told Fox News digital people come to our rally from all across South Dakota they visit tourist sites they congregate at bars restaurants hotels it impacts the entire state matter of fact in 2018 you ready for this the city estimated the city Estimated, the rally produced 786 million in economic activity across South Dakota. I think about that. Matter of fact, in t- uh, the 75th anniversary, I think that was the first year I came was 2015. 747,000 747,000 vehicles rolled through Sturgis that year. The number of visit visitors routinely tops over a half. A million people the entire state <laughs> the entire state of South Dakota you ready for this is under 1 million people do you know that so 880,000 residents in the state of South Dakota a relative to the population the rally is as if 22 million people suddenly showed up at an event in California now here's what's so cool and this is what I love to see we take things that happen and we can turn them into anything so J.C. Hoyle was born in Sturgis on May 30, 1904. He married Pearl Kinney of nearby Rapid City in tw- May of 1928. The couple remained together for more than 50 years. He got his start in business when he inherited an ice dealership from his father in the 1930s. But here is the problem. Freon. Remember Freon? Fre- uh, Freon was invented in 1928. So this two years later, he inherits this ice business. So by the late 1930s, refrigerators were finding their way into every American home. And guess what? The ice business was obsolete. So Hoyle pivoted, pursued his passion, and bought an Indian motorcycle franchise to Sturgis. Isn't that incredible? And uh, his wife, by the way. Was also in the Motorcycle Hall of Fame. And it's, quote, camping was provided in Pappy and Pearl Hoyle's backyard beyond their motorcycle shop on Junction Avenue, Sturgis. A dirt track race was held in conjunction with the rally, reported the American Motorcycle Association. Pearl is, again, as I said, also a member. Pearl remembered the menu of that first year. Ready for what they served? Weenies, Sloppy Joe's, potato salad, and watermelon for dessert. The rally uh, riders washed their feet, their free meal down with iced tea or coffee, served in a tent behind the Hoyle's garage at the dealership. 200 motorcycles joined. Now here's the thing. It was around 1947, in the years after World War II, that Pappy's legend began to spread among the burgeoning community of veterans who fueled America's post-war motorcycle boom. Many World War II veterans suffered from combat fatigue long before post-traumatic stress disorder was diagnosed in the 1980s. They bought army surplus motorcycles, and they would drive across the country just to get their heads on straight. Think about that. That's what it was see. It was, motorcycles were much cheaper than cars, so motorcycles afforded veterans a free willing mode of group transportation at a time when fitting back into society posed certain challenges. A veteran ad, administration study estimates that 37% of World War II veterans seeking treatment after the war suffered from PTSD. And not all, not all saw treatment, many sought the open road, and many found Pappy. Hoyle was a tough old buzzard when it came to business and forging the rally. Yet Hoyle had a soft spot in his heart for the young Americans who fought in World War II and were struggling to come to terms with the horrific, horrific human carnage they witnessed in combat. A lot of veterans were messed up, said Meyer. They were hungry. They were broke. They had nowhere to stay. Their motorcycle needed work. And here was Pappy dead set in the middle of the country. And today, from Sturgis, South Dakota, 82nd Annual Motorcycle Rally, we're talking about belonging, because that's what Sturgis Motorcycle Rally is about. We'll be back.
3: Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in
1: so many different trainings I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening
3: was another level of awareness. If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Salmon
0: fishing in Alaska, at an amusement park in Green Bay, or taking a stroll through Loring Park. We're where you are. Listen to Freedom1570 at Odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Get that Rackshack Attack Racksack Barbecue. To do you right, we take time for
2: Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, like it matters, inspiration, education, and application. And I am live all week from Sturgis, South Dakota at the 82nd Annual Motorcycle Rally. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, I started this, uh, this ministry here at the Sturgis. I, I connected with a man by the name of Michael Bushilla and Paula Bushilla. Uh, They were introduced to me through my Minneapolis connection, uh, and they went through my leadership training. And as they went through my leadership training, got to know Michael Bushilla and uh, found out that this is his 26th year, that God told him 26 years ago to go to Sturgis and wash people's bikes. He was him in a bucket and some soap in an open parking lot, uh, and he just sat out there and had to ask someone for a hose and all that. And he was just loving on motorcycle riders. Uh, He started, couldn't pay anything, couldn't tip anything. And today it's grown into something, you know, we do hundreds of motorcycles a day, a day. And you go to uh, freebikewash.org to read about it. And uh, we love on these people. They come in, we wash their bikes, they get their shoes shined, they get their leather repaired. Uh, We have incredible bratwurst, uh, a nice ice cream machine. Uh, We have pulled pork sandwiches. Uh, we have tea and soda. Uh, we, we do everything. We have hand massages, back massages. And each one of these is a stage. And along the way, we, we love on them. We feed them. We provide services for them. Uh, they can't give us any money at all. They can't tip us. They can't donate. They can't pick up a towel to wash or wipe anything. It is full service. We want to demonstrate Jesus Christ's love. For Romans 5.8, eight says, while we were still sinners, God demonstrated his love for us, that he sent his son to die for us. And we can't pay for that. We can't earn that. You can't be good enough for God. And so Michael started this ministry with the same thing, to not be good enough and realize that we all fall short, that we all need to belong. And so for me... You know, know, all these people are wrapped up in this racism that's going on where black people are hating white people and and all because of of what we've been programmed. And see, I've never been wrapped up in that. I've never liked someone or disliked someone because of the color of skin. But you know what I have done? I have judged people that I don't fit in, that I don't belong, that I don't understand why they do what they do. And one of those groups of people are bikers. And I don't care what the color of their skin but I see a group of people, no matter male or female, no matter what their skin color, with leather on and uh, bandanas uh, looking pretty rough and they're walking toward me on one street, guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna cross the street. I'm gonna go in the opposite direction. I don't feel comfortable around people that I have no understanding of what they do and why they do and then we hear all these things about what goes on. And so for me, it was a way to be uncomfortable to connect. And so today we're just talking about this. This is about belonging. And so I want to open up the phone lines. You guys can call in if you want, 651-289-4466. Ask any questions you want about the motorcycle rally, about what we're doing. But I want to go back to the story I read from Fox News uh, about Pappy Hoyle. And and the whole reason that now 82 years later that we're in Sturgis and half a million people from all over the world come here every single year, it was because the Hoyle, he had a soft spot in his heart for the young Americans who fought in World War II. And man, they came home and they were struggling. They didn't fit in. They left a country that they loved and went to fight for it. Many died for it and got wounded mentally, physically, emotionally. And then they came home and there was no support mechanism. They didn't feel like they belonged in America again. They, they, they were mentally struggling, financially struggling. And a lot of veterans, as Meyer, who was one of the persons quoted in this article, said, a lot of veterans were messed up. It's bleeped up, but, uh, you know, you can put the word in there you want. They were hungry. They were broke. They had nowhere to stay. Their motorcycles needed work. And in the middle of the country, in a little town in South Dakota, there was Pappy right in the middle. And what he did is he'd feed them he fixed their motorcycles. But you know what mostly he did? Mostly he would listen. He would listen to their stories. He would let them vent. He made them belong. He gave them a home, a place where they fit in, where they didn't need to be perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been dealing with tens of thousands of people all over this world for 30 years, intimate levels. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know who Pappy Hall was, but I know Pappy Hall had a place in his heart, a God place. Because what he saw is people that didn't fit in. What he saw was people that didn't belong. What he saw was people who felt they weren't enough. They weren't good enough. They weren't mentally stable enough. They weren't wealthy enough. They weren't clear-headed enough. And ladies and gentlemen, this might be a different era and a different time, but you know what? The amount of people who fit into that category now... The ones that Pappy reached out to, the one that Pappy helped. I'm going to tell you right now, there are far more people in this country than at that time that fit this. I mean, let's be honest. We are now attacking attacking our political opponents. They just raided Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. It is going to be civil war out there. The Our government is now weaponized against its political opponents. I was harassed by the IRS. I lost a business, lost a home by like Lois Lerner. And now we got a bill that is adding 87,000 IRS agents, doubling the budget of the IRS. They are now going to release another 90,000 agents out there to get every tax dollar to audit, to harass. You want to talk about not belonging? When now in your own country, just like these World War II veterans came back and they felt a foreigner in their own country, the one that they just died for or were willing to die for, lost future, lost limbs, lost hope. And see, Pappy made them belong. Pappy said, I see you. Pappy said, I feel your pain. Pappy said, thank you. And the legend of this fatherly figure of Pappy and Sturgis spread among the veterans, leading the surge in motorcycle clubs and and ridership around the nation. Many returned to the rally in Sturgis to to see the man, to see Pappy. And they had friends with him, a check in hand. J.C. Pappy, by the way, Hoyle, he died on February 1st, 1989. He was 84 years old. He's buried today at Bear Butte Cemetery in Sturgis, the city where he was born and which he made famous around the world. He and Pearl were charter members of the Sturgis Motorcycle Museum and Hall of Fame that was founded in 2001. His legacy has made Sturgis synonymous with motorcycles. Motor muscle is deeply ingrained in the local culture. Motorcycles, four-wheelers, horses, that's how people grow up around here, said Evan Cordell, the rally coordinator. It's amazing to think about it. we were known worldwide as a motorcycle mecca, a place people put on their bucket list. It's because of one man, because of Pappy Hoyle. His legacy spread far beyond the Sturgis city limits. When two bikers see each other, they wave. They shake hands. They hug each other. They call each other brother. Think about it. They call each other brother. It's an informal fraternity. That's what Pappy Pappy created, the fraternity. He fostered the brotherhood of motorcycling. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't care who you are. That should touch your heart. Sturgis started because there's a need. Sturgis started because here's a man, a rough and gruff man who saw a need. He saw a need. He saw broken veterans coming home, men and women who who went to fight for a country that they loved. But they didn't want to fight. They didn't want to kill and destroy. But their country called on them in a great time of need. And they served valiantly. It is without a doubt, there's no doubt in my mind, that that generation was the greatest by far of all generations. They sacrificed it all. A lot of these people, their families went through the Great Depression. They went through the early stages of America, moving into what's, what would become a superpower. And these, all these men came back, and they didn't fit in. Do you know what it's like not to fit in? They had a mental, emotional pain that was beyond what we could understand at that time. Do you know what it's like to have mental, emotional st- uh, pain that you can't explain to people? These men come back and they were poor. They, they, they have nothing. And so they had to make do. Do you know what it's like to, to be poor and have nothing? They were shunned. They were outcast. They were strange. They were different. They were mentally agitated. Any of that sound familiar? They just needed someone to care. Someone to notice them. Someone to say, hey, you have value. You belong. And I'm going to tell you, it stirs me up. Because this is the real world. This is the world I live in. I walk in people's pain. I pull back the curtains. I move beyond the facades. The surface level that most people live on. It's fake. People show up at church and all talking about what they did Saturday and doing all this and all that. And yet they're asking each other how they're doing. Oh, great. And yet they're at home struggling. Their marriages are falling apart. Struggling with pornography or drug addiction. Wondering what happened in this country that we, some of us would be willing to die for. And now it calls us its greatest enemy. A country that used to have freedoms and freedom of press and freedom of religion. And freedom for uh, political persecution by your opponents. And now all those things are embraced. Now, as long as you can prove that someone's evil, you can destroy them. You can use the full force of the government and weaponize the Department of Justice, weaponize the IRS, but no one seems to care because it's a Democrat. Oh, it's okay. It's Joe Biden. He loves everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, we need some pappies in this world because it might not be the end of World War II, but we're in something far worse because at World War II, we all came together. We all came together as a country, and there is no coming together as a country anymore. We are at least two separate countries, and ladies and gentlemen, we're better than this. We need to see people who don't fit in and help them belong. That's why I'm in Sturgis. That's why I'm on the radio. That's why we do what we do. I'm Black. We'll be right back.
5: Why do your toenails look
4: like that? Hey, it's James, and if you're like me and
0: suffer from toenail fungus, please pay close attention. Let's face it, toe fungus is embarrassing. I was afraid to take my socks off and hid my ugly toes from everybody. But nail fungus isn't just a cosmetic problem. It can also be dangerous. Even a small spot can spread and get worse. But no matter what I tried, it seemed like my fungus would never go away. Then I discovered Crystal Flush, the new and different FDA-registered at-home treatment. This unique two-step system flushes out fungus at its source and reverses damaged nails. Finally, me and thousands of others are free from fungus, and you can be too. Call now, and for a limited time, you can try Crystal Flush risk-free for 30 days. Call 800-354-1862. That's 800-354-1862. Eliminate your toe fungus once and for all, guaranteed. Call now,
5: 800-354-1862, or visit crystalflush.com. We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas, and a legacy that will outlive us. Life is best imagined as a construction project.
4: Hey, can we get that backhoe over
5: here? At Like It Matters, we craft tools and teach you how to use them. Mr. Black has a bevy of tools to help you build your life into your dream. One of those tools is individual life counseling. The best analogy is a life caddy helping people live their lives like they matter. That's Mr. Black at LikeItMatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life.
2: Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am Black. And uh, just like for the last seven or eight years, I think seven years, because that's how long I've been doing the radio show, I am live from Sturgis, South Dakota. We are at the 82nd Annual Motorcycle Rally that Poppy Hoyle, I should say Pappy, was by Pappy, Pappy Hoyle started, I think it was 1938, I don't remember, it was 1930s, I read it earlier, but 82nd Annual. That's just so impressive. And by the way, if you want to join us, you have some questions for me about what goes on up here, what are we doing up here, whatever about the rally, uh, feel free to call in, 651-289-4466. And it doesn't have to be specifically about the rally. You can ask me whatever you want to ask. Uh, but I want to talk about what Pappy did. See, Pappy saw a need. See, I live by the motto, you see a need, you meet a need. And you've got to have a motto. You gotta have a mantra, you gotta have meaning. Remember the three M's of living life like it matters. You, you have to have meaning, uh, you have to have mon- uh, a mantra, and you gotta have motivation, a reason why. And he saw something. Now, today we know what that is that Pappy saw. And we know what that is because of a, a guy by the name of Abraham Maslow. Abraham Maslow was an American psychologist who was best known for creating Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Hierarchy of Needs is a theory of psychological health predicated on fulfilling innate human needs in prior- uh, priority, culminating in self-actualization. Uh, it was a book, The Theory of Human Motivation, I think is the name of the book I'm looking for. I think it is. I'm sorry, no. Uh, it was fully expressed as 1954 book, Motivation and Personality. Uh, it's powerful if you understand the basic needs of people. See, Maslow wanted to understand what motivates people. See, as a leader, you got to know how to move people. That is the, the, really what motivate means. It's the ability to move people. And Maslow believed that uh, people pro- possess a set of motivational systems unrelated to rewards or unconscious desires. Isn't that amazing? It's innate. These things drive us. And in 1943, Maslow uh, posited that people are motivated to achieve certain needs. When one need is fulfilled, a person seeks to fill the next one and so on. Uh, And it's fascinating because there are and I've seen different versions of it, but the original version was a five stage model. And it can be divided into basic or deficiency needs. The basic needs, what we'd call the deficiency needs. Um, and they are, you know, physiological, safety, love, and esteem. And then there are growth needs that go. But the, key, the thing with this is you cannot deal with the growth needs until you met, with the, uh, met the basic needs, what we call the deficiency needs. And so the deficiency or basic needs are said to motivate people when they are unmet. Also, the need to fulfill such needs will become stronger the longer the duration they are denied. For example, the longer a person goes without food, the hungrier they will become. And one must satisfy lower-level basic needs before progressing on to meet higher-level growth needs. And once these needs have been reasonably satisfied, one may be able to reach the highest level called self-actualization. And every person is capable and has a desire to move up the hierarchy towards a level of self-actualization. Unfortunately, I'm just being honest with you, progress is often disrupted by failure to meet lower-level needs. You know, you got things like divorce, loss of job. They can cause an individual to to fluctuate between levels of the hierarchy. Maslow also noted that only one in a 100 people Become fully self-actualized. I gotta be honest with you. I think it's way, 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 way higher than that. Maslow, at the time, said one in a hundred people become fully self-actualized. We're 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 talking about one percent because our society rewards motivation primarily based on esteem, love, and other social needs. So you got the basic survival needs. That's number one. Biological, physiological needs. You need air. You need food, you need drink, you need shelter, you need to procreate, you need warmth, you need sleep. And think about this, when when those needs aren't met, then nothing else matters. Why do you think a homeless person could kill you for a buck, or just for looking at wrong? Why do you think someone has no hope? They, They don't know how they can provide for their family. They don't have a shelter. They don't have a place to go to, a place to belong. See, until those needs are met, nothing else matters. And we see that, uh, look at Hurricane Katrina, you want to study something? Look at how people, what people did to each other during Hurricane Katrina. I mean, they did some terrible things, the rapes and uh, brutal killings and abuse, uh, you know, stealing from each other. See, that base need, you can tell a man's religion in a time of despair. See, when you squeeze somebody, you see what they're made of. And I don't remember who said it, but something like that, if you really want to know a man's, uh, what's inside a man's heart, Uh, Slam a hammer on his toe Because you'll see what that man's made of (laughs) Because it's in those base times right? And then after the biological Physiological needs are met Then there's safety needs Now we, we need shelter We want protection from the elements. We need security, order, law, stability Freedom from fear But if you can't eat If you have no guarantee of today You know, see how they work It's only once that's in place That now you can meet that other need The safety needs now, once you've got the biological, the food, uh, you, you're going to survive. You're not worried about day-to-day if you're going to live. Now you can meet those safety needs, protection from the elements, some security, some order, some laws, some stability. Then you go to the third level, and when all these fall under survival, love, belongingness, needs. Don't you see it? That's what Pappy saw. Love, belongingness, needs. In other words, friendship, intimacy. Affection, love, from a work group, from a family, from friends, romantic relationships. And see, that's what Pappy tapped into. That's what Pappy had a heart for. He could tell without that, this survival need, this base need, nothing else mattered. See, because once you get to those three base needs and then they're met, you know what, number four? We call that success because the first one was survival. You're just getting through. You're just a squirrel working to get your nut. And let's be honest, how many Americans today are just squirrels working to get their nut? A lot of them. After those three are met, now you can go to esteem needs, which is about achievement, mastery, independence, status, dominance, prestige, self-respect, respect from others. We would call that success. You made a name for yourself. You're somebody. I grew up white trash. I mean, we' are the only white people in the projects behind Samstown in Las Vegas. I mean, I know what it's like not to have, to be excluded, to be pushed away. And so what do you think as a kid when we had nothing? We were poor white kids. We had uh, old shoes that were falling apart. I had no clothes. Uh, I I didn't get to go anywhere because we had no money. See, if those things aren't met, then how can I ever build my esteem, my achievement? And so when I got on my own at 16 years old uh, in the Army at 17, graduate high school, and then when I got back from the Army, living in my car while I went to school, for a little while. Even though my parents lived a couple miles down the road. Because my basic needs now were met. And now what I was working on was esteem. I need to now define who Scott Black was. Am I this waste? Am I just a, 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 a piece of white fat trash? Because that's what I was programmed all my childhood. That I didn't matter. That I was a waste. I didn't fit in. I didn't belong. See, I had to deal with that. But first, my basic survival needs need to be met. And over the 20, 30 years of my youth, of my young adult life, I started building those things, but I had to go back and clean some stuff up. There was a lot of negative programming. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of, uh, of anger and resentment and bitterness that was building and budding in me. Just like so many people today, I would stuff, 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 and I was ready to Snap. And by my mid-twenties, boy, if I didn't fix myself, I was going to be in big trouble, mister. I was either going to be a murderer or a rapist, but it was ugly. So much anger, so much resentment stuffed down deep inside. A victim, poor me. I don't matter. I don't fit in. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's not who I am today because I wouldn't allow it. God wouldn't allow it. I went on a journey to change to learn how to fix myself. In the process of learning how to fix myself, I realized that there's lots of broken people around me. And if I could take my pain and use my pain to help other people, then my pain had a purpose. Then my pain had value. And as I started reprogramming myself and understanding how I could experience to become a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, cleaning up some of my self-talk, the abuse, the self-inflicted abuse, not just the external abuse, but the internal abuse, because like so many of you out there, when the abuser that was abusing me was no longer part of my life, guess who took over? Just like with you, you took over. I took over. And I kept running those tapes over and over and over and over and over. And really, it took me about 30 years to really build those esteemed needs. That achievement, that mastery, that independence, that status, that prestige, that self-respect and respect for others. Today I'm called Mr. Black. It's a, a term of respect. I used to feel really uncomfortable when people called me Mr. Black outside of class. My wife refers to me still sometimes as Mr. Black, and I've got to think people on the outside that don't know. Wow, what a real work that dude is. He makes his wife call him Mr. Black. I don't make my wife do anything. You may have undoubtedly have never met my wife. <laughs> I'm sure Lee could say the same thing. <laughs> I don't make my wife do anything. <laughs> my wife does what she wants to do. I am I said, that's not negative. then please don't hear that. But my wife is not someone to be thumbed down and be controlled. That's not who I married. That's not who she is. But now, once you got those self-esteem needs, that achievement, only then can you go to that third level with the self-actualization needs. In other words, realizing your personal potential, self-fulfillment, seeking personal growth and peak experiences. See, until you have met those basics, you can't go on to success. And until you've met that success, you cannot go on to significance. Remember, there are three, three levels of living. You've got to get this. They all start with S's. Survival, success, and significance. And so many people are so wrapped up in their petty little experience that they're just working to survive. They're just working to get through things. You've got to get it. Are you still there? Are you at that level of success? Or are you now beyond that level? And are you ready to go to significance? So, today on Like It Matters Radio, we're talking about belonging. And I am live from Sturgis, South Dakota, at the 82nd Annual Bike Rally. You can join us after the break, 651 289 4466. We'll be right back.
3: That's like it matters.net. soaking
0: up the sun in Fiji, walking through the sculpture garden in Minneapolis or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon. We're where you are. Listen to freedom 1570 at odyssey.com or with the free odyssey app. The world has changed. Our economy has changed. And now more than ever, it's important that your retirement savings is set up to generate income, real money, in your bank account month after month while still controlling your principal.
4: And that's what
1: we do.
0: We're Ferguson Financial. We set up people for retirement income. Call us today, 888-429-5569. And check out our retirement income program, Saturdays at 11 a.m.
1: With the vast majority of media today leaning hard left, it can be tricky to find news that actually shares, let alone defends a conservative viewpoint. Hotair.com provides analysis and
4: commentary from conservative writers like Ed Morrissey. Hotair.com. Take a listen to this comparison of other training to leadership awakening.
1: For probably two-thirds of my
2: Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. And, man, I'm inspired today. You know, I uh, learned about Sturgis. You know, I come here every year. This is my uh, seventh or eighth year. I'm not sure exactly when, but uh, for the first time, I actually wanted to figure out how, why. Why? And as I'm considering, why, why, why this whole thing is Sturgis? Where did it happen? By the grace of God, Fox News put out an article, Meet the American. Who founded Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. And again, for me, when I read an article, I, I'm always looking for something different. I, I go to meet the Meta. I, I didn't want to know a lot about Pappy, uh, all he accomplished. I want to know what Pappy, what drove him. What drove Pappy to, to create what is today the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. With over half a million people every year come to, which creates, uh, man, hundreds of millions of dollars, almost a billion dollars in revenue for a state that has less than one million people in it. It's just stunning. And, ladies and gentlemen, that shows you that anybody can make a difference. What Pappy did is he saw a need, and he took his resources. He took what God had provided to him, and he said Lord let me use this. Let me be a conduit for your love, for your acceptance. And that's what he did. He made people belong and you know, as I come up here to the Sturgis, I meet a lot of people. Uh, these have become my family. Most of them are from Minneapolis. That the people I hang out with in Sturgis are from Minneapolis. This this entire ministry is based out of Minneapolis. It's uh, freebikewash.org. Check it out. Michael and Paula Bashilla. This is their 26th year. And up here I meet a lot of cool people. One of my friends I met up here about five, six years ago is Pastor David Forsh. And I apologize if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, David. Uh, he's a pastor, but he's also a POW. He's a, POW, uh, he's a, a, a warrior. Uh, he's, he wears leather. And the back of his leather has a beautiful uh, iron on it. It's a POW MIA. And it says right across the American flag, you are not forgotten. Below that, has the tag of prisoners of war, missing in action. And then here's the line. He's a Vietnam veteran. He's a U.S. Navy veteran. He's a pastor. Uh, he's a man of God who, who doesn't see his, uh, his potential. He's a great man of God who doesn't see himself that way, but he is. And the very bottom of this, it says, we ride for those who can't. Get emotional. We ride for those who can't. And you know why they can't? It's not that they can't because they don't know how to ride a motorcycle. It's not that they can't uh, because of any other reason. You know why they can't? Because they're not here. Because they sacrificed everything for what was once a great country. They put it all on the line. And a lot of these Vietnam vets, let's be honest, the way we treat our Vietnam vets when they came home is a disgrace in American history. And to this day, These men who gave it all to fought a very unpopular war, who didn't want to go, who many were drafted, were came home and spit upon by this country, were abandoned, were neglected, were told that they don't belong here anymore. Men who went and gave it all, who lost sanity, who lost life, who lost limb, who lost future, who lost hope. Man, we're better than this. And here we are again now, because we're told to hate Trump and uh, now the Democratic deep state and the media, uh, state-run media, now program a lot of you to hate Trump. And so as long as we hate somebody, we can destroy him, right? Isn't that what we did to black people when we can treat them less than human? Then you can treat someone who's less than human any way you want. You can hang them. You can make them a slave. You can abuse them, right? And everybody cheers it on, just like what's going on with Donald Trump. A, city, a U.S. president attacked by the Department of Justice, a political persecution, and some of you are okay with that. And this shows you the bitterness and the hatred that is now being inbred in this country. The racism that's not approved, it's racism, racism, you just flip the script on the colors. Before, it was okay 100 years ago to treat people who are black poorly. Now, today, it's okay to treat people who are white, as long as they're conservative and as long as they're Christians. If they're liberal and progressive, oh, no, you can't touch them. But if they're conservative and followers of God, you can. Ladies and gentlemen, who belongs in this country? Who belongs in your family? Who belongs enough that you would take your wallet out and instead of buying a second cabin or a fourth car or your fifth vacation of the year, what about if you took what you had and helped other people? Help other people belong. Help other people fit in. You know, there are, I teach a lot on conflict resolution. And there are three F's of conflict resolution. Feel, felt, found. Remember this. This could change your life. It could change your relationship. Three F's of conflict resolution. Feel, felt, found. And here's how you do it. People want to know they're understood. Seek first to understand and then be understood was one of the seven habits that I highly affect people. See, you've got to meet people in their map of reality. You've got to connect. You've got to belong to them. The way you belong is you step into their map of reality. Quit pulling them into yours. And you've got to pony up, get right beside them to show that you belong, that you're a brother, you're a sister. And you say, man, I understand how you feel. And then once you connect with once you've established rapport, once you've met them in their map of reality, now there's a connection. And now you explain to them what they felt when you went through a sim- what you felt when you went through similar situations. What you're built doing is you're establishing rapport. You're you're letting them know that hey, you guys are brothers or sisters. You belong. You understand their pain. You've walked them mile in those moccasins. But you don't leave them there. And then you go to the third F, and he said, what I have found. And it is the great transition. What you are now, you're now beside that person. You now have an arm around that person. Maybe you've laughed together. Maybe you've cried together. Maybe you held each other. Maybe you've wept together. But you don't leave them there. How dare you leave a person in that position? You've got to go to that third F, which is what I found. And that is now the transition. That is now where you pick up your right foot or your left foot, whichever one you lead with, and with your arm around that person, you start moving. Just like God. God meets us where we're at, but he never leaves us where we're at. We need to meet people where they're at to let them know they belong. Let them know they're noticed. Let them know you you care. Let them know that someone's paying attention. And you put that arm around them physically or metaphorically. And now you say, what I've found, and you start moving them from that place of pain, that place of abandonment, that place of not belonging, and you bring them in a new place, a new hope. And the reason you got to do this because it matters, because people are watching. You know, I talk a lot about my little boy, Benaiah. He's an incredible young human being. I'm so honored that uh, we weren't planning on having him more because I'd already had three from other women, and um, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that was my past. My wife and I weren't going to do that, but we had Baniah, and what a blessing. And he wants to be like Daddy. He wants to have a Bible like Daddy. He wants to preach like Daddy. He reads at a fourth, fifth grade level. In church, he's the one that always sh- reads the Scripture to their classes. It, my son and I go to church together. My wife doesn't join us. But my son and I go to church together on a Sunday. We go to church together on Wednesdays. He watches me. And we were in Colorado, and Val flew home on Sunday, and I drove to Sturgis for my ministry here. And Val told me last night, he said, you know, when I came home, Benai was, oh, I love you, mommy. He's a mama's boy. He loves his mommy. Uh, Very closely connected. But she said, you know, he kept saying, but I miss my daddy. When's daddy going to be home? I miss my daddy. Before I left, he put on a do-rag, and he started preaching like he sees me preaching. See, people are watching And people learn from what they see, not just kids, but people. And it's one of my favorite sayings. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator. And I immediately wanted to paint another one. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you feed a stray cat and I learned that it was good to be kind to animals. I saw you make my favorite cake for me and I learned that the little things can be the special things in life. I heard you say a prayer, and I knew that there is a God, and I could always talk to him, and I learned to trust in him. I saw you make a meal and take it to a friend who was sick, and I learned that we all have to help take care of each other. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you give you time and your money to help people who had nothing, and I learned that those who have something should always help those who have nothing. I saw you take care of our house and everyone in it, and I learned we have to take care of what we are given. I saw how you handled your responsibilities even when you didn't feel good. I learned that I would have to be responsible when I grow up. I saw tears come from your eyes, and I learned that sometimes things hurt, but it's all right to cry. I saw that you cared, and I wanted to do everything that I could be because of you. I learned most of life's lessons that I need to know to be a good and productive person when I grow up. I looked at you and wanted to say thank you for all the things I saw when he thought I wasn't looking. People are always watching, ladies and gentlemen. We don't hide anything from God. David said, where can I go to to be away from God? No place. But I'm gonna tell you right now, there are little eyes and big eyes watching. And if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? Because planes crash and people die. Because great countries crumble. Elections have consequences. We all need to belong, ladies and gentlemen. I am Mr. Black, live from Sturgis, helping you remind you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. And stay tuned, because tomorrow we'll be live from Sturgis again. Until then, bye-bye.
0: Considering protecting your retirement with gold or silver? Listen up, Mark Davis here. One company I trust for this, Advantage Gold, the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. They've won the Best of Trust Link award four years in a row because they really educate their clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. Call 800 900 8000. Talk to one of their experts. They can send you a free gold kit along with a free copy of the Wall Street Journal national bestseller, The Great Devaluation. Number again, 800-900-8000. Don't wait any longer. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. All from Advantage Gold. 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Call Advantage Gold today. 800-900-8000.
1: Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor.
0: Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000